0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with Bobby loveless I'm
1: um, Danielle.
0: Hey, everybody, it's an all Hellboy all the time. Hey. We're reading some books, we're reading some comics. How
1: about it? <laughs> about that?
0: And every week we interact with our amazing listeners, and now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. <laughs>
1: We're gonna read something and you're gonna read it too, and then we're gonna talk about it and you're gonna listen to us talking about it and then you're gonna <laughs> send us an email or, or a message on the social media that's a hey damn guys. And you talk about what we talked about, then we're gonna talk about what you talked about <laughs> when we you we were listening to us talk about it. That that's another thing. That's John's gonna do that. And then, then we're gonna tell you what you're gonna read next time and you're gonna we're just gonna keep doing that and that's a book club. And that's fun and that's friendship. Yeah.
0: I Thank you John. so much. Yeah. And we got to talk about Ross Radke today, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, not only does he have his awesome Kickstarter for Stomped Issue two. I think at this point he's less than five hundred dollars away. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, check out his Kickstarter, and then he's going to have stretch goals. So the more money that we can raise, even if he does meet the goal soon, they can add more content. To yeah, the comic. for sure. And the other reason we have to talk about Ross Radke is because I was gifted this amazing piece of art that several, uh, <laughs> several, amazing several amazing pieces, amazing of, art, pieces yeah. of art. So if you've been keeping an eye on our social media. Uh, thank you so much, Danielle. Gifted course, me this amazing... Course. You want to talk about... You got this commission from yeah, Ross. Yeah, he
1: was amazing. He offers these commissions on his website. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to get some commissions. Yeah. Man, when I got these things in the mail, he went over the top on The these amount of detail. Really beautiful. And they were all... He's very, very good at using the tools that he uses. So if he's using watercolor... It looks incredible. If he's using markers, they look incredible. Right. So he, he's using these, like, um, he's really good Copic. at it. Copic, yeah. I, if I were to use those same, I obviously don't have as much practice as he has with these. Like, he's, he's really, I mean, they look amazing. The yeah. amount of detail that went into this, they look incredible. I was blown away. I, I mean, when I got them, I was just... Holy shit! Just blown away. I by I just these. kept
0: looking back and forth yeah, at all incredible. of them, and like every time I was like, "Okay, this one's the best one." I'd be like, "No, he really look at this one. Well, this one is incredible." So we have Hellboy. The, there's with, no
1: comparing them. Yeah, absolutely no comparing any of them. The, each of them is individually just incredible. When I got those, I was like, "Holy shit!" He really outdid himself. Yeah, he really, yeah. he really outdid himself. You
0: can see some high res scans on our social media. So we had Hellboy in there with the shapes, and then we have roger and kate and i really love that kate one
1: so expressive what's yeah. really amazing about ross as an artist too i mean among all his other skills is that like i really only gave him the vaguest of descriptions and he managed to send exactly what i was thinking of <laughs> without me you know i wasn't i wasn't going into huge detail about it this was like oh you know how about a panya and if you if you can maybe squeeze like Kevin Marbles in there. (laughs) Jesse. Jesse, yeah. If you can squeeze him in there, I think that'd be great. The (laughs) Pelican Monkey, you know? And he was like, oh, yeah. And, man, what I got back was like, holy shit, this is... I mean, this is so perfect, you know? And and everything was like like the Kate looks amazing and then the lobster i was like oh if you can work in his like The burning hand i mean really and like with the you know ted howard's with
0: the crickets
1: i was like oh if you can work (laughs) in like the sword in there somewhere man
0: that one is bonkers
1: everything is so expressive all of there's just perfect and expressive and just amazing action-packed i don't know how he managed to fit them all because they're tiny
0: yes and they I look love amazing. The, I love the Johan one. How it has his
1: his
2: yeah his
0: human form is in the ectoplasm. was really all cool. All of it. Every yeah. single one really of them. Nice yeah, was yeah. Just really
1: Really fantastic. And so he really outdid himself. And I I don't know. Like part of me feels like I was like, oh, this is gonna be a birthday present for John. He's gonna be so excited when he sees him. I wonder if he he went over the top just because he knew it was uh, like a, a birthday thing for you anyway, or something. But he I don't really know, he's man. amazing. So. I mean, I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to do these commissions. Like, go to his website. Yes,
0: for real. Because
1: he's getting busy. He's starting to take off. And it's won't be long until he's going to be too busy to do any of this. Because right. he's going to be yeah. full-time drawn comics in no time. I guarantee it. He's too good.
3: It's also fun to watch, uh, follow him on Twitter because right now, you know, during October – but uh, Ross has been doing superheroes So he like I, He like did polls Like back in like August or September Like what superheroes do you want to see And so now they're, they're popping up And so it's like Holy shit You get fucking Nightcrawler And Omega Red and He's doing uh, an oh, alphabetical order yeah. right he's Yeah He's doing uh, So he's at O today Yeah That's yeah. neat yeah, so it, it's been fun watching that come, stuff up, and Ross is just so talented. And you know? all those
0: are for sale, too, the ones that he's doing for the daily. Yeah. The, I mean, for the daily.
1: snag them while you can. But yeah, he was very kind, very nice, very easy to you know, talk to and, and commission. He's, he's such a great guy. On top of being an amazing artist, he really is a good guy, so go check out his website.
0: Yeah, and we also heard from Ross this week. He said, thank you guys for the shout-out. Totally unnecessary, but much appreciated. I got the impression, because remember that guy was giving him shit last week, and we talked about that, how someone online was like, oh, you're trying to raise money for a comic in the middle of pandemic. Remember we talked about that last week? Yeah, what the fuck? So he said, I got the impression the artist who questioned me raising money for my comic was wrestling with their own issues with the value of their art. I also recently had another artist get frustrated because I was selling art for too cheap. So it's all a matter of perspective.
1: People say that to, 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 I've gotten that before, of like, well, don't you think you're doing damage to other artists by undervaluing and undercutting your own work and like selling your stuff for so cheap? And I was yeah. just like, man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get this stuff out of here. Like, I don't, I just don't, <laughs> want, you know. And my art is not really, I'm nobody, I'm not anybody. So I kind of feel like a lot of people who are able to sell their art for, you know, a lot of money is because of their name, like, of who they are. They're famous. Right. Or whatever, you know? And, like, nobody knows who the fuck I am. Like, why are they going to pay a million dollars for my shit? You know, so it's one of those things where I think artists do undervalue themselves, but at the same time, I also feel like sometimes they're just trying to get whatever they can for something.
0: Yeah, sure. So you
1: kind of have to... You can't really judge an individual's... You know, there are times where people have to step it up and, okay, maybe it is time to start. But you're trading on, like, how much you think you can get for your stuff and if you know if your stuff is super high priced and it's not moving maybe bump it down a little bit if your stuff is moving super quick and you're selling a lot of it hey maybe bump it up a little bit maybe you can afford to bump it up so i think that's up to the individual artist to gauge um i do think ross radke could be asking more for his stuff but if he's not comfortable doing that
0: get some could buy some art well the thing is
1: once he gets so busy drawing all the time and realizing hey I'm actually doing this full time and I'm not making enough to justify it as a full-time job that I think that's when it clicks in of like wait I'm doing this all day every day yeah I need to give myself a raise and bump up my prices a little bit and I think that's I think that's uh viable and I think that's advisable to do I think you should, you know once yeah. you've reach that point yeah start charging more absolutely
3: i mean it, it just feels like it seems like how the game is played like you know when you're First starting out, you want to charge, you know, less to get your stuff out there. And then once yeah. you get a following, you know, you, you raise your prices. Like, if you like realize
1: you it's a commodity, then yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sure.
3: And he
0: also mentioned um, for this issue, too, the only thing that he's drawing is the cover. And he's doing some colors, but he's writing for other artists. Okay. He said, I think I underestimated people's interest in my own art and the character Kim Corrigan from issue one. So I added a new stretch goal and massive reward tier in hopes of enticing people to help us stop our goal. So I don't know if you saw this (laughs) massive reward tier. It's basically you can write the story. Ross will draw it.
1: Well, I think it's it's also there's an added element of he will work with you on how to do that, on the process of that. And I think that he's also offering to actually like – Kind of do a little consultation there. Sure. Which is invaluable for someone who has that experience to work with you and walk you through it and kind of guide you through it a little bit and be like, well, you know, this wouldn't... You're Okay, that's a cool idea. Wouldn't it work better if we structured it like this? And this is why the action would move better or this is why you do a panel this way instead of that way. And I think that that's really invaluable for someone who, you know, is looking to work with an established artist on that specific information that's that's pretty cool
0: yeah that, that, I, I was rubbing my chin a little bit i was like "Hmm." Uh,
1: no. the one
3: hey john yes so i didn't get to see you yesterday so i wanted to wish you a happy birthday yeah i got a lot birthday. of
0: i got a lot of love on social media too Aww. from book club members so yeah thank you so much i appreciate
3: that yeah. Once this pandemic is out, I can't wait to see you and I'm gonna give you a big hug because of your birthday. <laughs> but yeah, we
1: owe each other lots of hugs.
3: So I mean I mean, once the pandemic is over in like ten to fifteen years, you know, right. you're getting that hug. I miss you guys. Oh, we love miss you, guys.
1: you too. But yeah, happy you know. birthday, John. Thank
0: you. No. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Ross also finished up by saying I haven't read Bones of Giants, but it's been a blast listening to you talk about the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> Considering Danielle seems like the most casual comic reader in the group, it's fun to hear her geek out about Norse mythology. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, we got to mention. I would uh, say
1: I'm the most casual. I would say that I, I just hadn't read any of the Hellboy stuff yeah. before this, and so now that I'm reading literally all of it, I guess it. I guess that would kind of make me comparatively seem like <laughs> I don't ever read comics just from like. The fact that I've never read any of these comics, but I'm really liking these. Yeah. So
0: I also wanted to talk about Oh Renee on Facebook and Twitter. Um, he did a really awesome comic where he put my name in there. Yeah, it's super. Cute. Kashi oh, is that saying so cool. Kashi yeah. is uh he's possessed by the Baba Yaga and instead of saying Rasputin, he said my name. And then Hellboy said, "Don't even get me started on that guy." Cute. I really liked that, so I really appreciate that. Yeah. I also wanted to talk about this thing that happened. On Twitter with Tanshi Zanyich. Okay. Okay. Tanshi Zanyich did all the awesome lobster stuff, including the one where he fights off a guy with a luggage rack. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: My favorite page, as you know, my favorite Lobster Johnson page. So he, uh, the whole he, page is good.
0: He posts pictures of the Black Flame and of Lobster Johnson on his Twitter. The shit. And so, ah. uh, I was, uh, I was geeking out, of course. And, um, I don't know if you've seen UHF. The Weird Al movie. Okay. So, oh, my God. Uh, yes, I have. They make fun of Close Encounters where he's yeah. ma- making the mountain with the mashed potatoes. Sure. And I posted that where Weird Al is like, this means something. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he responded to that and he said, it's not a new comic. Ah. So oh, I'm thinking, oh. um, so, but I'm thinking maybe a cover. We've been talking about oh, whether the Lobster Johnson omnibus is going to come omnibus? out and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Maybe it's a cover or something because it had the Black Flame, the old school Black Flame that Lobster fights right. in the Burning Hands. So I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder, it would be great to get some more Tanshi Zonich Lobster even if it's just an awesome cover. Right. Oh,
1: I dude. wonder if maybe that was like a, does he take commissions? Maybe it was just a...
0: He's not taking commissions right now. Right. He did a thing a while back for Black Lives Matters where he was selling commissions but it filled up like within an hour sure or I was just saying
1: like I wonder if that's and, a commission
0: wow. and, but he, so has, been draw- but he or- has been drawing some of them because he did post a Kree graph right one of those gorillas and he said that it was one of those rewards that he's finally sure. getting around to doing yeah I mean I wonder because he's super busy too. I wonder
1: if that's something that somebody asked for or...
0: yeah I wonder it could yeah. just be that it could be as simple as that but I want to speculate I, yeah. that it's something big coming sure, down the sure, pipe
1: sure sure man I need
0: to start following him on Twitter <laughs> yeah he's amazing And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback.
2: Hey, you damn guys. Hey, you damn guys. Hey, you damn
3: guys.
0: We got a hate You Damn Guys, a.k.a. Pronunciation Corner Round 2 from William Tunholm. So adorable. that was so cool yeah and he also wished me a happy birthday he said I'm so happy you enjoyed the video I sent I was really moved when I heard you guys actually watched it several times and found it useful I made another one for the second half of the book but as always you're doing great
1: we were moved (laughs) to to receive that that. so yeah and this is super cute I was so excited when you you sent that to me I was like yes it's adorable oh yeah it was was great yeah
0: I had asked him I said what 2001 pop hit would be playing in the car
3: i'll
0: have to i'll put little clips of them in the in the thing i don't remember what the names are of the songs i
1: really appreciate you taking the time to (laughs) help us out and teach us how to pronounce some of these words if we we're sincerely yeah asking like hey if you know how to pronounce these words please help us so we i really appreciate you taking the time to actually you know do those videos for us that's that's very useful we appreciate it yeah
3: Thank you. It was very sweet and thoughtful.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and he also
0: said, um, remember we talked about how they called the BPRD building unremarkable, even though it's the beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright. (laughs) He said, perhaps golden means that the building is unremarkable when you compare it to the supernatural and extraordinary stuff that goes on inside the building. So
1: throwing him a bone
0: there. Yeah, hey. all right. I like that explanation. Yeah, that's a good one. We also heard from Hayden Orr.
1: Hayden Orr
0: book club member he said ratatosk is such an interesting character in the norse mythology and he's a great sidekick to thor in walton simonson's ragnarok i would highly recommend any fan of simonson's work or this story or norse myth in general should read it And um, we met Walt Simonson. Yeah. He was really cool. Yeah, super cool. Um, He drew a Doctor Strange for me. He sure did. Yeah, it was really cool. I'll post a picture of that if you guys want. I'll post it
3: on Book Club Member Comics if you follow me on there on Instagram. Book Club
1: Member Comics on Instagram.
3: I I didn't get to meet him at that con. Uh, The line was just too long, but there was nobody in line for his wife, Louise Simonson, who I actually wanted to meet more. And (laughs) So I got to meet his wife. Okay. Yeah,
0: we did too. I got her. She signed a couple of my comics too. They were both really nice.
3: She, uh, I got her to sign my um, Follow the New Mutants omnibus trade and my in- X-Men Inferno trade. And I actually had her sign the cover of the one X-Factor issue because it's like one of the first comics I ever got in my life. Oh, That's wow. so
0: awesome. That's nice. Yeah, she yeah. wrote so much of that great X-Men stuff.
3: Yeah, she sure did. Oh, man. Like, the her New run Mutant on stuff. I- yeah, yeah, the New Mutant stuff. Her her run on X-Factor and her run on New Mutants are two of my favorite runs of all time.
1: Yeah, she's she's done a lot of really good books. Yeah. And uh, I'm always amazed when most of the time, you know, it's what you would expect. Like, oh, yeah, you know, thank you very much. But when people are, like, uh, nicer than you would expect them to be after having jet lag from flying from city to city and sitting behind a table all day every day for several days in a row, like (laughs) meeting literally tens of thousands of people at a time, like, that would be so exhausting. I, I, I can't imagine doing that. I would be so cranky. Yeah. I can't imagine being so... Enthusiastic and sweet to everyone. I mean, it's always very impressive to me that these, especially like if you're an artist or a writer, maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but I tend to think that creative people are sometimes a little bit slightly more introverted. Maybe that's just an overgeneralization, but it's just something that I would not expect. So I'm always very grateful. And if, you know, I always see these people who talk, I guess they, you know, sometimes you see a tweet or a post that's like, I can't believe how rude. This person was I just all I did was ask them for a photo and they they were like, you know, you told me no. But like in reality, it's probably something like, oh, I'm actually out with my family, you know. Yeah. Can, can, can you fucking imagine trying to just do one fucking thing in public <laughs> without someone yeah. bothering the shit out of you and being polite to them while still saying no? And then for someone to think that you're a rude bitch or something like,
0: yeah, I... that's so
1: fucking stupid. Just leave people alone. If it's an official thing and they're being a total jackass, then. Yeah. Okay, I can see that, but even then, it's like cut them a break. Yeah, maybe they're hungry. Yeah, maybe they're tired. Leave them alone. Well, Just let them be. You know, like I don't know. That's I always found that very. Anyway, sorry. This has been tangent corner. <laughs> I apologize.
3: Actually, actually, I have something to add to that too. Um, in 2011, I was at Comic Con, San Diego. Yay! Only time I've ever been. Um, and <laughs> I was on the floor, and Felicia Day walked past me. Yeah. And so I, I, she walked past me and was like, oh, my God, Felicia Day, may I take your picture? And she's like, no, uh, we're selling photos, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's night. how she makes money. But, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, she, she was very, you know, yeah. she was very kind. And I was like, oh, OK, thank you. And um, I didn't go buy one because I didn't want to. But, right, um, <laughs>
1: I mean, that's your right. You're allowed to not buy stuff. That's fine.
3: I, I just don't I don't buy celebrity photos. It's just I don't care. But photos. you
1: didn't post on the Internet. What a fucking bitch. Oh, she wouldn't no, even no, give me no, one but, photo. But, but, you know what but, I mean?
3: But, But then I started thinking about it, and I was just like, you know, she's probably harassed all the time by douchebags going, Whoa, give me the fucking photo, blah, blah, blah. But that's literally Uh, how
1: she's making money there at that event. So I I can, you know, you can see why she would be like, "Mm, No, they're for sale, so.
3: But she was very polite and everything yeah. like that. And and I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, I didn't I didn't stop to take into account also women who get harassed by dorks at Comic Con <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, I am a dork who who was at Comic Con. No, I but you're not an harass asshole. Felicia Day. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. don't think
1: she took that as her. Harass- See, yeah. that's the thing is, she was still super nice. I yeah. cannot imagine and, 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 being and I, nice. And I was
3: also respectful. I was just like, of oh, course. okay, thank you.
0: But I- another thing to add on to that is if she takes a picture with you, then people are going to go, oh, well, you took a picture with that guy. Yeah, exactly. Take a picture with me, and yeah. then it becomes this whole thing. She'll never get out of there. Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. that's, a, that's another thing that could possibly be factoring in. Well, and she that. has
1: a manager or an agent or someone like, hey, you can't hey. be taking free photos when we're literally trying to sell photos of you. Yeah. So, yeah. you know.
0: Man, we really miss cons, don't we? Fuck yeah. I
1: kind of don't at all. Like, I kind of stopped going to them like way before this anyway just because i was just like i couldn't mm. do it anymore okay. it's too much
0: but i want to try to steer us back on track <laughs> uh hayden Nor also mentioned norse mythology i think ross did too i had to talk about this uh issue that came out um norse mythology it's just a comic series about all the norse tales
1: yeah it's cute even
0: some of the stuff that we've been talking about was we discuss bones of giants is showing up as little stories in there. And it's and the first issue has a story by Mike Mignola.
1: It's super cute. Yeah. yeah.
0: So like we got it. some wow. Mignola art in there for the first time doing a Norse tale. So, and there yeah. was another
1: artist in that book. Who, what was... Pete Craig Russell. Yeah, yeah. He did
0: Vampire of Prague and some other stuff that we've read. Um, there's an awesome like David Mack art. cover. We talk about David yeah. Mack a lot. And uh, there's some other great artists in there. I don't remember everyone else that's in there. But it's put added that to my subscription box. I can't wait to check that. But out David every Matt week. cover
1: was really good. P. Craig Russell, that guy. Uh, he, um, I like his art. It's like kind of vintagey looking. It's oh, kind of yeah. like seventies. Yeah, yeah. Comic book art.
0: That's what he. But it's that modern. He, it's like, he's it's that really kind of weird. Artist. I love. I really he's like from it. Seventies. No, 80s, I know. I but think, I mean, yeah. like,
1: it's still you know, uh, it's it's very. Uh, it's kind of out of time. Yeah. I really like it I a lo- lot. It f-
0: it works so well with it that does. Comic. It's
1: good. And of course, Mike Minulescu is really good too. But no, it's good.
0: Jason Abaddon said. Jason Abaddon.
1: Book club, right, book club member
0: he said you were all surprised when mist impaled and killed that government puke but consider that as a valkyrie her entire job is judging character she knew the government puke was unworthy of valhalla and she'd be indifferent to things like family or anything else life was cheap to their culture
3: oh uh, you know actually i kind of you know i do i kind of agree with that because you know like i was like oh, okay this guy has a daughter and blah 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 but then you know he's all of a sudden like oh we're gonna cover it up and say that the uh, the doctor was trying to work with black marketers and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. when he got stabbed, I didn't really care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Drew Campbell said... Drew Campbell. A club member? That's right. Abe is absolutely right to back into the parking spot. I've worked in chemical plants where they require you to park backwards so you can pull out really fast if something goes wrong.
3: <laughs> okay. That's an actual okay. thing. Okay. I, I, I could never work there because I, I cannot do that. I cannot back into a space. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Niklas said.
1: Yeah, Niklas.
0: Book club member. That's he right. He said, important stuff first, Crep. It's pronounced like crap.
1: Oh, my God. Crepes. Uh, Remember we were saying actually, crepes? Yeah, well, we're dumb Americans. So like, of course we're saying like, crepes.
0: It's like crep.
3: Crip. Actually, actually, I did want to bring that up because right after we recorded that, like the next day, Kathy was watching this show that was set in France and somebody called crepes and they said, crepes. Crepes. <laughs> Something and like was, that. And I was just like, holy shit. We just talked about this yesterday. Back that up. <laughs> oh, I have yeah. to hear how this is pronounced.
0: crept Crep. 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 I'm still f-
3: going to call them crepes because that's what we call them here in the States.
0: <laughs> As for Nordic mythology, I don't know why... I read about it in my earlier years, but it never got as interesting as Greek or Arthurian mythology to me. Maybe it's because when I think about that mythology, I think of lonely, mead halls, drunk, blonde guys just beating the crap out of each other, while Zeus at least did some dynasty building with his whole horde of children. Zeus when is a he,
1: fucking asshole, though.
0: When he didn't do it himself. And I know it's more complex and complicated, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Mead snow in a mead hall that smells like a men's locker room. Maybe i change my mind next week. <laughs> when I posted the picture of the World Serpent pendant that Bignola drew in the book, both Hayden Orr and Jason Abaddon said that they wanted skeleton crew replicas. Okay. We just keep adding to the queue of uh, stuff yeah. that they got to make. Get on that skeleton
1: crew, boys.
0: <laughs> we had some feedback on Kashi the Deathless.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. We oh, read that story a couple wow.
0: weeks back. Mark Tweedell said that... Mark (laughs) Tweedell.
3: Book Club co-host.
1: There you
0: go. Yeah, he said he was running a little bit behind, but he did have some comments. He said, I want to take a moment to talk about Hell. I feel like what Hellboy did to transform Hell throughout Hellboy and Hell was to make Hell into a place it was always meant to be. A place where people can choose to improve themselves and ascend into somewhere better. Nice. Back when the Watchers were cast into Hell... It wasn't how as we know it. It was simply another place, and it became what the Watchers chose it to be by their refusal to change.
1: Talking about kind of like a timeout.
0: Yeah. They fashioned Instead of
1: eternal p- damnation and torture. Very different things. Two very different things.
0: They fashioned the place into a twisted version of what they wanted on Earth, where they rule over mortal souls. Their malignant desires made this realm hell, and Hellboy set it free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now it's just like a place,
2: okay. like anything else. Yeah. Sure. that's
3: actually kind of a I, I like that thought you know i mean i never liked the thought of internal down nation that just seems dumb yeah, no one yeah. does. Uh, <laughs> but you know i do like the idea of like when you die if you're a horrible person you go to a place where you can actually work it off and if you can you can move to another plane of existence but if you can't you're just gonna be stuck in a shithole right right
0: <laughs> he said in regards to death saying he may not see kashi again so remember i said uh Death says, "I'm. we're not likely to see each other again. And so I was like, oh, he's never going to find the goat. Mm. That's what that means. Um, he said, I feel like this is him expressing some understanding of where Koshki's future may take him. After all, death is a ferryman. He guides people from the mortal realm to death. But as we see, Koshki's life has already taken him to hell. If he were to get his soul now and die... He wouldn't see death because he's already in the place he needs to be. Oh, okay. That makes sense. In regards to Kashki and Hellboy talking near the end and then Hellboy vanishing, I didn't read this as Hellboy using any special power or anything, but rather it was just showing the other side of the coin. This is what hell feels like. You're alone and everyone else fades in and out around you. From Hellboy's point of view, Kashki would have faded away. In hell, it's like a bunch of dreamscapes that occasionally cross over with each other. These moments when a character sees someone as a skeleton are the moments when they are their most lucid and aware. It's their consciousness piercing the facade for a moment before the dream envelops them again.
1: That's it. Those are interesting book club ruminations. I love that. That's the whole reason you have a book oh, club is to hear great. these perspectives. That's very interesting. I love yeah. the
0: idea of that because... You'll be talking to a character, and then in the next panel, they're a skeleton for yeah, some reason. Yeah. And everybody yeah. kind of has this human skeleton version Fading of Fading in and out. mirrored version or something like that that's kind of over the panels. They'll go back and forth. That's
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like so that. cool. I also want to thank Hylonymous on Twitter.
1: Hylonymous on Twitter.
3: <laughs> Book Club member on Twitter.
0: Yeah. And, How about that? Uh, and Hylonymous also donated some comics. Aww. I got to give them a shout out because they donated some of the prizes um, from the last fundraiser that we had. He said, Oh, thank you. Regarding that Koshki pronunciation, and I've already said Kashi and Koshki several times during this episode, <laughs> I think you can safely assume that this is the correct one. It's that funny, crispy sound that Slavic languages are known for. And so I sent this to... Did you have a chance to listen to this? Yeah, yeah. I did. So it sounded like it had a long surname attached to it or like a last name. Uh huh. But the beginning part of it was
1: Kashi. Kashi,
0: yeah. Yeah. And
3: it was a Russian person saying it. The first pronunciation is from a Russian female. And the second pronunciation is from a male from Kazakhstan.
1: Kazakhstan, okay. Okay,
3: yeah. Yeah. But they both say Kashi.
1: They both say Kashi.
3: So
0: there okay. you there you go. There you go. Hey, we learned something today.
1: Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's, yes. it's Kashi. It's Kashi.
0: We also talked a little bit about Mike Mignola's art on Facebook. Always give them a shout out and how Mike Mignola's on there and sometimes people will say yeah. stupid shit.
1: Yeah, he's on there. Like, come on. <laughs> like, like, reel it in a little.
0: Mark Tweedell yeah. said, I think people don't realize that Mike Mignola's art Facebook page was actually launched by Mignola and his wife. It's more than just a fan community. It's a way Mike has chosen to interact with his fans. It's his space that he's invited us into. So when I find comments on there that disparage Mike, I find that especially egregious. And I'm sure Jerry Turnbull does as well. Jerry Turnbull. Jerry Turnbull.
1: Book
0: club club member member and awesome moderator on that page. He said, absolutely, those guys should read the room before they post their guff. There's no place yeah. for it in our group.
1: Really? And it's so fucking rude. But that
0: everyone on there is awesome. Yes. And it is worthy of following. It's probably the only... They just had their third anniversary
1: yes. uh, of that awesome. board. And I, I,
0: all the comments were like, this is the only reason I get on Facebook.
1: Yeah, they, they <laughs> really I mean, do a good job keeping all the fucking stupid drama out uh, and just having it be a nice, relaxing place. And the mods do a great job. And so...
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I love that I love that uh, group too because like like Facebook is always like gloom and death and destruction or just people posting weird ass. <laughs> it's like a fucking hellhole. Sh- yeah. But but then but then like, you know, interspersed between all of that crap. <laughs> I get I get to see wonderful art from Mike Mignola and related artists that were also posting the Mignola verse. And then Fan Art Friday is such a highlight. It's I cute. love it. Yeah. I love Fan Art Friday. It's it's great. I love to see everybody and then I can't remember who posted this one picture, but it was just like, holy shit, that looks like a David Mack, but a little bit better.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, I think I, s- I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um,
1: John, are you going to post Ross Radke's stuff in there?
0: I did. I already posted it. Oh, you did it. already. Okay, I posted cool. it. Ross posted it. Oh, that's nice. Everybody loved it. Yay. Everybody is freaking out over it. So, And I also put on there... I want him to get um, as
1: much exposure for that as possible, because it's... Just, it's, it's- i really appreciated just the amazing job that he did on those for you and what i
0: tried to tell people is if you want your own commission you could do you could get your own commission and at the same time back his comic because he's doing commissions with the kickstarter so like if you love those pieces you could get your own and back the comic and get all this other cool stuff at the same time so i mean hey you know check out his kickstarter again
1: giving it away
0: yeah all right and now we're gonna go on to our actual book club of the week we're conclude <laughs> actual
1: book club. We're
0: concluding Hellboy: Bones of Giants, a novel by Christopher Golden with illustrations by Mike Mignola, that came out in 2001, and we've reached the epic finale <laughs> as we open up chapter 14.
1: Sorry, I reached for your book there.
0: That's okay. Hellboy, Abe, and Pernilla and the dwarves continue through the Ghost of Utgard. Pernilla. That's where they. Uh, that's what they encountered at the end of the last chapter. And Abe recalls another taxi mission. So I thought this was interesting. He's thinking about trudging through the Australian outback with only an Aboriginal shapeshifter as a guide. And so there are these Warrigal shapeshifters. They mainly live in small packs, especially in the city, as to remain inconspicuous. They live mostly in Australia, but have also migrated to other parts of the world. There's at least one tribe of Aboriginal Australians that is a larger pack of warrigal. So that's these shape-shifting yeah. people. So there is folklore about that. They had been investigating an outbreak of nightmares that were driving people to madness and outright slaughter. And Hellboy had been dragged into the dream time by a pack of dingoes. Abe didn't remember much of the story of what happened to Hellboy there. Because by the time they were reunited and Hellboy gave him the details, he was so completely exhausted that all he heard was blah, blah, blah. As far as he was concerned, the only thing that mattered was that it was over and he could go home. And so I did find this interesting article called Dreamings and Place, Aboriginal Monsters and Their Meanings on theconversation.com. Terrifying pantheon of monstrous beings is one subject of visual artworks by traditional Aboriginal dreaming narratives that merits inclusion in any typology of Aboriginal culture and artistic traditions. All these figures materialize fear, bringing it to the surface... At the psychological level, the stories about these entities are a means of coping with terror. So in Aboriginal culture, the dream time is a thing, you know, that you can get. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I like that. Um, you know, he's definitely done his research on these like little details that they're just throwing out yeah, there as awesome. these anecdotes. Back in the present, hiking towards Utgard, Abe's feet are so cold that he worries about frostbite and amputation, but he tries not to think about it so he doesn't freak everybody out. <laughs> As they get closer, the ghostly fortress becomes more solid. At times, at a certain angle, it disappeared completely. So I, I love that. Yeah. How like as the snow is going, you know, it's coming in and out of reality, I guess. They follow Hellboy, who's 20 feet ahead, but then he stops and he sees something. A large crevasse, as if those giants had cleaved the earth.
1: So there's this one part in there where uh, Pernilla is standing with both feet in one of his footprints, I think it's interesting how oh, they—the yeah, yeah, comparative for... like sizes of of them—is they they want to remind you that Hellboy is gigantic, right? And all yeah, that of, and it's really effective because I was like, oh damn.
0: Yeah, they talked about in the last chapter like he's in front to bo- yeah to block all the wind from everybody, you right? Know, and you're he's thinking like, broad. oh, is
1: it really that effective? But yeah, I mean, like if one of his footprints is big enough for you to completely stand in, mm-hmm. then yeah,
0: yeah, that was a good detail. Um, so they find this crevasse it's a dead end but the crevasse creates a plateau at the end hellboy says if it doesn't fall out from under us and nothing explodes we should be all right until the worst of the wind dies if we're going to try to get the people who are still alive in Udgard, i'd rather do it before dawn i'm hoping the snow stops by then if we can get a few hours rest all the better and so Abe is like, oh, you sound actually yeah, like Hellboy.
1: He's, That's he's cool. he's kind of relieved here because he's like, oh, you sound like yourself. And it's, he talks about how his behavior has been really unpredictable. And, yeah. oh, we don't know who we're going to get. Are you going to get with the guy who's rolling with the punches? Or are you going to get, like, the other guy who's right. fucking weird and you know and
0: there's this detail where he's like you know hellboy does like to break things he's broken two of my tvs sure yeah but at the same time he doesn't
1: like like, he's quote unquote live for the battle right which is how abe describes the thor personality i guess well
0: then he, he yeah like he's a berserker yeah you know he talks about the norse berserkers to fight in a trance like fury a characteristic which gave rise to the modern English word berserk and they did wear like these bear skins and they would just like I mean it's like when Wolverine goes berserker mode like that's what it is they're just like in a trance and it's just like
1: what's interesting is so like yeah the berserkers it's been proposed by some people like there are some authors I guess who have this idea that berserkers believe that they drew their power from the bear and are devoted to the bear cult and used to be a kind of a thing kind kind of a thing up there and so but there was also wolf warriors. There were wolf warriors and there were also boar warriors.
0: Oh, wow. You know, uh, there yeah. was those wolf warriors or were they the berserkers in King Vold?
1: Right. And so they yeah. had different names. So so berserkers were the bear warriors because that's literally what yeah. that word means. But then the wolf warriors were called. Here it comes. Pronunciation corner. Ulf Hidnar. Okay. Ulf Hidnar. That's awesome. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. You know, wolf warriors appear in a bunch of different types of legends uh, among the Turks and Native American cultures and, and European cultures. But the Germanic wolf warriors, what we're talking about right now, uh, they would wear skins of wolves. And uh, let's see here. They were mentioned in several different sagas. The Volsunga Saga, the Vatnstel. I can't pronounce it. Lots of know. sagas. Lots of different sagas. And then uh, they were <laughs> described sometimes as Odin's special warriors. Oh. Um, yeah, they would go yeah. without any kind of chainmail, but they would have wolf pelts on. And they were... Described as, you know, going wild with frenzy when they were in battle. Yeah. And so same thing with the Berserker Warriors. Uh, And so it says here that um, there's a helm plate press from Torslunda depicting a scene of Odin with um, a guy wearing a wolf pelt and has a spear and uh, says... Uh, there's a wolfskin warrior with apparently a one eyed dancer in the bird horned helm, which is generally interpreted as showing a scene indicative of a relationship between Berserker Gang and the god Odin.
0: Wow, okay, yes. cool, wow. very cool.
1: And also in Norse mythology, the wild boar is an animal that is sacred to the veneer, which we talked about. The, uh, the powerful god uh, Frey owns the boar uh, Gulin Bursti, and the goddess Freya owns uh, Hildisvini, quote unquote, battle swine.
2: Which is a dope
1: turn of phrase. Wow! And these (laughs) boars are depicted on all kinds of ceremonial items. So the boar warriors were fighting in the you know the battles too. Like they were kind of a a like shock troops, you know. And and so you still see like a lot of boar. Symbolism in a lot of these yeah. cultures that are it's pretty so interesting. So
0: the berserkers were just one of three just types of Just one of three of types, war types war war of warriors that all yeah. kind of did the same. That's so cool. I wonder yeah. why. I guess because of the bear skin. That's they, why they became the most popular one. Yeah, but But the, there's more uh, to that. Yeah,
1: so like the boar warriors like they they've been described as like oh they they're like masters of disguise, right? So they uh, oh, they all had different they can escape, skills. they have intimate lo- like knowledge of like the landscape or whatever and stuff like that. And so all these three different types of, of warriors they use the strengths of their specific animal like the boar or the bear or the wolf. Eyes so, of the hawk, yeah. ears
0: of the wolf Great <laughs> <Free. laughs>
3: star.
1: The, ghost, that, Aubrey. the eyes of a bear.
0: Okay, cool. So, I really yeah. like
1: that. I, and so- it's it's been suggested by some authors that uh, berserker's behaviors inspired the legend of the werewolf.
0: Oh, sweet! Ooh. I can neither
1: confirm or deny this because I don't have enough like whatever yeah. historical knowledge. I'm not like a. I don't have like a doctorate in Norse history or anything like that. But that's an interesting idea. That's, that's a cool, interesting idea of like a man who looks like a wolf or a, a, a bear going absolutely fucking ape shit like rah, rah, you know freaking out in <laughs> yeah. battle and just fucking losing his shit and there was also like there was a there's a thing if you you know you can read about this of like they would wear these pelts to distinguish themselves to their own troops as like stay away from those guys because when they go into freak out mode, they can't tell, Friend from foe. They will kill everyone near them. You will fucking die. So don't go near those guys. They're just going to kill everyone in sight. So stay away from those dudes. (laughs) So it's one of those things where like they, that was kind of another way to like distinguish those dudes. And so it was like a fear tactic of like, if you're an enemy troop, and if you see this guy absolutely fucking going wild and just fucking killing everything in sight, that's scary as hell. You might just yeah. run away yeah, and lose the battle that way. So that's, that's a, it was like almost like a shock value thing too. You know, there's even, there's some theories that, that say that they, they would uh, ingest Hensbane to induce like a like a psychotic uh, thing but okay. there's no real evidence that i that i could find at least with my like googling you know yeah. that that was a real thing but it's like a, some sort of a theory but uh yeah so they would just like induce like this like episode right. to themselves somehow whether it was just by just psyching themselves up really hard maybe they were just like but they would like bite their shields and they would like flail yeah. around and scream and shit and that would freak people out. <laughs> and so that's, you know, anyway, when I saw that they were mentioning berserkers in this story, I was like, Oh, I get right. to I get to talk about this now. Cool. Like I was, you know yeah. I was
3: psyched thank to you. see that they thank mentioned that. Thank you for that. I learned berserkers. a lot about that. Well uh Daniel I wanna say thank you for that because <laughs> until today, and today is when I finished the book, I did not know that berserker and bearskin were connected i had no idea because it's cool how... right it's interesting. yeah and then and then you added a whole nother <laughs> level twice <laughs> <laughs> fucking that's amazing yeah that is well wonderful. i didn't Thank this you. is
1: uh, thankfully i didn't have to do all this research that there's tons of scholars that already yeah did all this work but yeah you can i mean you can read about that in detail if you want to it's um it's fun stuff
0: and and abe's like he mentions it to Hellboy. He's like, I'm glad you're not a freak out berserker guy who's sure. going to kill everything inside. He's
1: been doing that, right? <laughs> he's been kind of freaking out a little bit.
0: And Hellboy says he can't even feel the hammer anymore or the pendant, or it might just be that he's getting used to it. I don't uh, like the sound don't like of- that. <laughs> yeah. Pernilla says to Abe, me either. Abe responds. Abe tells the knit of a limb that they are going to take shelter. And Itri says there's not a lot of room, so they're going to hang out up top and guard them. And Pernilla touches tree's shoulder, and she's like, "They'll make room." And so, like, that's the first like kind thing that's happened since his brother died. So, so he, he kind, kind of, of smiles. smiles yeah, yeah.
1: I, that that was a touching little moment there.
0: He says, "We've weathered far worse," so they stay out there.
1: And I think it's significant. Um, I I don't think that's in there just for no reason. I think that that's significant. Yeah. And- You know, this is a book club, so I want to take a little book club moment here and talk about why I think that's significant because oftentimes when people talk about Viking culture, Norse culture, whatever, they talk about just, oh, it's brutal, just brutality, nonstop brutality. But, like, there's no way that an entire society full of people could be built on just horrible brutality. You know, obviously, there are people who are friends and people who love each other and there are families and there's, you know it it's not it's not 24/7 like fucked up shit it's going to be people who value one another um are kind to each other that there has to be that or else societies cannot exist and function yeah so it i feel like this is a really good moment because a kind smile appeared on his face and her gesture warmed him for the you know first time since his brother's demise so he's feeling the loss of his brother he's feeling grateful for her kindness he's right. smiling at her so there are warm and kind people here and we we get to see them as a fully fleshed out three dimensional person instead of just like, ah, I am battle machine, I right, just don't right. care about anything except killing. That's not that can't possibly have been the case. Sure. These, you know, these people built cooperative societies with one another and, and had families and friends, and so we get we get to see that and I think it's really important that Golden put that in there. Yeah. I think that's I think that's important.
0: Yeah, I do like that moment. And also, like, Brock and Eitri are like, they're like a famous duo. Yeah. Like, you know, like if you yeah. if one of them gets, yeah, obviously they got to be like, hey, they're gonna this, care. Is, this is important, you know.
1: And so for, for them to care about someone being kind to them, I think, really flushes that character out. You know, it would have been easy to just make them one-dimensional little, like, yeah, dudes that sure. were just there to move the plot along. <laughs> but we're talking about, you know, a writer who actually gives a shit. So it's not just going to be a super obvious plot point. They're going to have character. Yeah. And so I, I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, good job pointing that out. There's a good bit of writing when they go into the crevasse. It says, The moment they dropped below the edge of the crevasse, the wind was cut off. Abe could hear it whistling overhead, but the relief that flooded him was almost euphoric. It was as though some great weight had been lifted from him. Thanks to the lack of wind, the temperature within the jagged slice of the earth was easily 20 or 30 degrees warmer than it was above. I just can feel that relief of being in this harsh wind and then going into like this little hole where ah, it's just totally cut off. So I just, anyway, I thought that was just some awesome writing. Yeah. He asked Pernilla if she's all right and she says, never better. <laughs> she kind of like chuckles, all in all, I'd rather be on a Greek island basking in the sun, but right now this will do.
1: <laughs> I'm going I'm to say that uh, at work whenever someone comes in and asks me. <laughs> How I am.
0: <laughs> I'd rather be basking on a Greek island. But, but you know what? For now, this will
1: have to do.
0: <laughs> they start a fire with the starter bricks that they have in their packs, and they get on their bed rolls and in their sleeping bags, and they're finally going to rest after this long trek, where they like went. To, I described it yeah. last week as like when they're all hiking, yeah. uh, Lords of the Rings and stuff like that. He
1: takes a he takes a second to describe their gear, and again, I I do think that that's very good of him to do that. He he specifically describes these bedrolls as waterproof bedrolls because there's snow everywhere right and it's unpleasant to sleep in snow that's gonna be fucking impossible and the fact that they've got these like starter bricks and stuff like that's you know
0: (laughs) and abe he also thinks about the hotel room before the mission he's like man i wish i was eating those macadamia nuts and watching movies with hellboy in the hotel i didn't even want to come out here so they f- make a plan. Hellboy says, I'll take Ytri and the boys and crash the party. You two check out those buildings still standing and get anyone who's alive out of there. Pretty simple plan. The best ones usually are, Hellboy said, eyes blazing red in the firelight. You have to get us in first, somewhere to the north. We'll be closer to the remaining buildings and as far as we can get from your attack. Then when you go through the front, you'll draw Thrym away from us. That's what Abe says. Prinilla rifled through her pack and she pulled out a pack of cigarettes. And Abe is surprised <laughs> when he sees that. She says, They're for emergencies, this qualifies. Okay.
1: <laughs> Golden describes Abe as uh, trying to hide the the distasteful oh, tone of like voice yeah. from his you know, from when he's talking about that. He's like he tries to disguise how he doesn't like that. Right. Which is interesting. That makes me immediately think about Liz.
0: Oh, right. Is yeah. always smoking
1: cigarettes. Is he Is he kind of on her about that? Because they have a kind of a closer relationship. Right. Is he a, kind of like, oh, yeah, you really need to quit or whatever. Does he harangue maybe. her oh, yeah. from time to time about this? Or maybe he
0: just tolerates it too I from guess, her and he's yeah. used to doing that. I don't know interesting i didn't even think about that but they do mention liz too because they talk about the little knot that hellboy has his hair we don't really talk about his hair corner right very weird he's got the little samurai knot in the back of his head and abe says that sometimes liz threatens to do a delilah oh jeez and so delilah is a woman mentioned in the 16th chapter of the book of judges in the hebrew bible she is loved by samson who possesses great strength after 3 failed attempts at doing so, she finally goads Samson into telling her that his vigor is derived from his hair. As he sleeps, Delilah orders a servant to cut Samson's hair, enabling her to turn him over to the Philistines. So that's what that's a reference to. So Liz is like I'm going to cut that thing off, like maybe Right. So uh,
1: when 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 they cut this per- this character's hair off, he lost all his strength and was right. able to be captured. So she's constantly threatening to cut his hair off. That's interesting.
2: <laughs>
0: As Abe gets another starter brick to keep the fire going, he holds it up to Pernilla to light her cigarette. All right, let's get a couple of hours rest if we can. The snow looks like it might stop soon, Abe says. You, my friend, are an optimist, Pernilla replied. And Abe's like, no one's ever called me that before. I thought that was a funny moment. (laughs) Pernilla took another drag on the cigarette, her knees drawn up to her chest, but she let the butt dangle in her hand there against her knee, and she returned his smile. Then she screamed as flames shot from the end of the cigarette. So that's kind of like, it stood up. Remember in that earlier scene where it's just like, the body stood up. And this is this kind of grabbed me the same way. Cause oh, I'm really? Like, oh, all yeah. of a sudden. I
1: found that one much more abrupt, though. I found that one much more surprising. This one was just kind of it seemed like something was gonna happen there
0: okay i didn't
1: know what it was gonna be but that to i me, was
0: surprised i thought I they was, were gonna finally was, get some rest i was see, like this is yeah. the end of their little thing and we're gonna cut over to something no see else.
1: at this point i was like okay this it's <laughs> time for this weird thing to happen what's <laughs> happening now but well, you know when that thing of like the body set up i was completely unprepared for that so yeah but no i i i i, I get you i, yeah. get, I get you
0: the, the the way that it's just yeah. uh, abruptly in there yeah. it's not like a few embers started to come out from the cigarette and they looked surprised at each other. And then this happened. Sure. It's just kind of like, Then it a just fire happens. monster
1: came out of the cigarette, right. <laughs> I like how he has to be like, throw it down. Right. And he's like, oh yeah, that's a thing I can
3: do. So like when this like, all all of this started happening, the first thing I thought was, see kids smoking his badge? Ah. There you go,
0: right. <laughs> the fire shape in front of them had arms and legs and a head and it stood nine feet tall. Hellboy swings Mjolnir at it And it passes through it, but then at some point it seems like he hits something. Foolish godshell, it roars at Hellboy. You are as dense as the true Thunderbearer himself. Logi will consume you. And Logi is a Jotun, that's one of the giants, and the personification of fire in Norse mythology. Logi appears in the tale of Thor and Loki's journey to the castle of the giant utgard in joltenheim where loki was pitted against logi in an eating contest the contestants appeared to be equal in speed at eating meat from the bone but logi also consumed the bones and even the wooden trencher in which the meat was placed showing off his might they later explained that logi was really wildfire himself fun trivia would you like some fun trivia about logi fun trivia what about you aubrey i love fun trivia (laughs) One of the moons of the planet Saturn is named Logie. Hey. Yeah, because it has like kind of like a fiery... That's
1: cool. Was that Large. as fun as you thought it was going to yeah, be? Yeah, that is fun. <laughs>
3: Actually, honestly, I did not know that, and I love Saturn, so...
1: There
0: you go. Yeah. Win, win. Hellboy snarled, I remember you, Logie. You trumped my brother by deceit only. I have been burned before, wildfire, and dragon's breath cannot last forever. But I am not dragon's breath. I am only myself, eternal flame. And so there's this battle with Hellboy and he's like, he's screaming in agony as he's like being burned and all this stuff. As they fight, Abe yells to Hellboy to hit whatever is in the fire like he did before. You know, and Hellboy's arm is all burning up, his jacket's all burning up. He hits it in the chest, cracking something, and yellow flames shoot out, but it keeps coming. Abe and Pernilla can't climb out and the dwarves are coming down from their guard, but they won't get there in time. Pernilla remembers the myths. The giants had to call them from a source. They had to call Logi. I couldn't find a reference to this detail that okay. it came from a source, but like it was hard to find a lot of stuff. Sure. Like it just had one or two lines. Pernilla and Abe notice tendrils of fire stretching back to the starter brick, and so Abe goes towards it. And I like how as Abe starts to go towards the brick, like. Loji realizes something's gonna happen. Hes like turns around and tries to go for Abe, but he kicks it and it sails across and down the chasm. Loji roared with fury as he was dragged over the edge, and possibly long fingers of fire stretched into tentacles as they tried to hold on, but then the weight of the source became too much and he lost his grip, shrieking as he tumbled into the murk, as though someone had thrown a torch down a well. Abe stood at the edge and watched him fall until there was only the tiniest wink of light below. I like how the fingers, they're fire, so they can go really long as he's trying to, that's a nice little detail. So Abe goes over to Hellboy, he's all burned up, and so when he touches Hellboy's shoulder, he like turns around, and he slaps his hand away, and he swings the hammer at him. Back, Darkling Beast, Hellboy snarled, I've had my fill of monsters today. And then he like uh, swaggers away and just falls on his face. His flesh was still so hot after being burned by Logi's flames that the icy ground hissed loudly as heat met frozen earth. For several seconds, Hellboy did not move. So he finally comes around. Abe's like, I'm here, you want to take another swing at me? Hellboy rose over and he's like, ah, geez, Abe, I'm sorry. Hellboy glanced down at Mjolnir, then lay his head back again and stared up at the sky. All this time, I've had this damned hand. I know it isn't really me, and sometimes that spooks me, but I've made it mine, you know. But this freaking hammer, I'm going down there and killing that giant zombie with the stupid trees growing out of his chest, and then if the hammer is still stuck to my hand, I'm cutting the whole arm off, I swear. On the ground, Hellboy lay and gazed at the sky, face illuminated by the light of the stars. The stars. Only then did Abe realize that the snow had stopped, the storm was over. It was time to put an end to this. So what do you think about the logi,
3: the fire fight? That was pretty cool. Pretty cool, the only neat little thing. Don't be attacking somebody if you can be dropped off a cliff <laughs> with a log. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's,
1: it's interesting to think about um, in all the previous stories we've read, Hellboy is unable to be burned and especially not his hand, the right hand. So then earlier in the story, we got... Oh, he's like, oh, this is burning my right hand. How right. is that possible? Yeah. And then now here, it's like he's being burned.
0: His flesh is. How like is burning. that possible? Yeah.
1: And so we've we've been getting a lot of that, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, ah, this is a special kind of magic that is actually able to do stuff to Hellboy that previously we've been right. thought that we thought that that was not possible. So that's that's always very interesting. That's kind of uh, came to my attention.
0: Yeah, twice yeah, now. you're right because like. Maybe it's like Loji couldn't burn Hellboy, but he could burn Thor. Right. And so, since Uh, Thor is coming through somehow, somehow that's happening, you know, now it makes Hellboy vulnerable to things. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. As we open chapter 15, I want to read this opening part. Jolnir was no longer luring Hellboy in one direction or another, but in some ways it haunted him more than ever. There was a presence inside him lurking at the back of his mind. It felt like he was waiting in line for something with this rude, extremely impatient entity staring over his shoulder, urging him on. He felt like throttling the big barbaric bastard, but there was no way he could get his hands around the throat of some spiritual echo, especially when the only body it had at the moment was his own just another good bit of writing i love this idea you know that it's like possessing hellboy yeah and he's embarrassed about what happened with the battle with loji and like how he swung at abe and he feels like he owes abe a bottle of tequila and a trip to the antiquarian bookstore (laughs) i would love that as a you know hey sorry i swung at you let's here's a bottle and let's go buy you an expensive book nice that would totally be my thing when i was a kid I would ask for expensive books, yeah. like for my birthday and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so nerdy. No, it's great. Like first edition Edgar Rice Burroughs yeah. with a dust jacket, absolutely, and stuff like that. Or like I have the facsimile to 1984. Yeah, that's a good and one. Those were all books that I asked for because I saw them in an old bookshop, you know, and they were a hundred dollars and I couldn't afford it at the time, but I wanted them.
1: Well, when I got you that David Lynch that works on paper, oh yeah, there you, you go. You're freaking out. You're like, oh shit.
0: Yeah, really. It's a good
1: book too. I, I was... love.
0: I love a trip to the antiquarian book. Yeah. A bottle of tequila. that sounds like a great reconciliation gift yeah absolutely <laughs> Hellboy had thought about sending Abe and Pernilla back but frankly he was afraid that Abe would take him up on it he was also worried that he wasn't himself anymore the snow had stopped and the crew go down into the mountainside since Hellboy's jacket was all burned off He has the sweater that Anastasia Bronzefield knitted for him. The only woman he had ever referred to as his girlfriend. It had been years since he had spoken to her, and many more than that since he had seen her last. And it still pained him to have destroyed the sweater. In order to get it over his godforsaken hammer, in his massive right hand, he had to cut the right arm of the garment along its length. Um, But I do like that detail, because... We talk, they talked about Anastasia Bronzefield in The Drowning, where Broom is like, and Hellboy's off with that girl, or whatever. There was that part. Um, but I like hearing more about this character. I would love to hear about all of that, those years that he took off to be with her. As they approach, Utgard... The walls of the fortress are becoming more solid. Hellboy goes over their plan again, and afterwards, the hammer becomes warm in his hand and the pendant icy cold. So, before where he was like, oh, I can't even feel it anymore. And he winces at the pain, and he pulls the pendant almost stuck to his chest. He pulls it on to the outside of the sweater. He says he should have left it at the university. And Eitri speaks up for the first time. He says No. My brother Brock forged Mjolnir, a gift of life, to the Thunderbearer. I crafted the pendant, a representation of Jormungand, the world snake, the Midgard serpent. The hammer was a gift of life. The pendant was a gift of death. He wore it at the end. It says here, Hellboy almost wanted to cuss Ytri out, learning that he could probably just remove the pendant to break that spell. But I don't think it's that simple, because he was already acting weird before he put the pendant on.
3: Right. Yeah. I, well, it's like he, he started acting weird the moment he touched the hammer. Yeah. He didn't get the, he didn't get the pendant until way later when Abe was like, oh, my God, I'm freezing, I'm freezing, I'm freezing, I'm
0: freezing. Yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm wearing this pendant. How like, give me that?
1: <laughs> but then it says uh, that he says, well, maybe there's more to it than that. You know, he had a feeling that until Thrum was destroyed, whatever powers had brought the corpse of the Thunderbearer out where it could be discovered. Uh, they weren't about to let their pawn walk away free. So... He's thinking about it for a second, and then he thinks better of it. So he's like, yeah, okay, well, it can stay for now, but when this is all done, you're going to take it back. And Eitri's like, yeah, okay, sure.
0: Suddenly, Abe and Pernilla look up at something. When Hellboy turns, he sees at the gate of Utgard, another giant skeleton is rising out of the ground, and it has like a giant sword. It approaches the gates, and they open for it. And then so they're all like, oh shit, there's probably like a ton more giants in there, you know, that have risen from the ground. This is a
1: gross sentence. Uh, The thing is hideous. A kind of spider webbing of dry skin remaining as a death (laughs) shroud upon those bones. Gross. (laughs)
0: yeah a great description yeah, super by christopher golden descriptive. Um, a couple of people have mentioned that they're like just listening to this as a cliff notes version you, you got to read it or listen to the audiobook because christopher golden is too good we can't read the entire thing or else it would just be the audiobook
3: <laughs> and then we'd probably get sued yeah we would <laughs>
1: uh, i know you just said we're not gonna read i'm gonna read this one more sentence. Uh, spider webbing of dry skin remaining as death shroud upon the bones in uh, its right hand It clutched a huge sword, 15 feet in length, covered in rust and crusted blood and dirt. Yeah. So, gross and spooky Skellington, but also, like, that's a big-ass fucking sword. Right. And so so they they
0: just saw this come out of the ground, and then they look around, and, like, the ground is all messed Uh, up. So, like, all these things have probably come up. Yeah. You know, and so there's probably, like, a lot more.
1: Hellboy's like, that can't be good.
0: Right. Ape says, there's no way to know how many there are. What do we do now, Pernilla asked we could go home hellboy says and so she's like that isn't funny his expression was grave again pranilla knew her father had been both part of the cause of this and its victim she wasn't about to turn around and they both knew it no i guess it isn't sorry hellboy says he glanced around at the others let's go they make their way to utgard and abe is exhausted their one final attempt to try to get rest and the fire thing happened and all this other shit and the hellboy swung at him and all this kind of stuff and he's impressed with the magic of the place. It was huge magic. Nothing so simple as a ghost. Some haunted city that had turned up in response to Thrim's arrival. And so when Abe touches the wall, it like affects his arm. It like makes him numb or something. So then he tells everyone else, like, "Hey, don't touch the wall because something yeah. weird's gonna happen."
1: I like I like the phrase "big magic" and "huge magic." This isn't just big magic, it's huge magic, yeah, that somehow gets across exactly what you're supposed to feel about this it's It's very interesting turn of phrase,
0: and Abe can tell that Prunilla is getting all freaked out, and so he tries to comfort her. She asks how he's so calm. I'm not he says there are times when it's helpful to be inscrutable. No one can tell when you're terrified out of your mind, so he always has like a poker face, and we d- and he just mentioned I- like that he held back his distaste for cigarettes. So maybe he just, like, has that kind of affect.
3: I, I really love that description where Abe said, like, you know, you know, even though he may not look it, he is terrified on the inside. And it's just like, you know, that, that's, it's nice to know. Because, you know, like, it's normal to be afraid when you're in situations <laughs> like this. Yes, Right, but he, he also yeah. sees
1: the value of maintaining at least a calm exterior. Right. So that, you know, because, you know, freaking out isn't going to do us much good. We got to keep our wits about us. We got to try and maintain some semblance of, you know, uh, of order and and control.
3: It's not just that. The reason why I like it. I like it because, it like, you know, it lets people know that it's okay to be afraid. Just you, if you're afraid, that's a natural reaction. Yeah. Just don't be frozen by your fear.
1: Right. Or don't be so freaked out that you actually screw yourself over.
3: Right. Exactly. But exactly. He's, he's got a lot yeah.
1: of experience in the field with shit like this. So, uh, you yeah. know, someone who's inexperienced oh, isn't going to would... be able to do that, you know. So it's it speaks to his experience as a field agent as well.
3: Man, if I, if I saw a giant skeleton pop out of the fucking ground <laughs> holding a 15-foot rusted, bloody, dirty sword, I would probably shit my pants. <laughs> sure because I've never dealt with anything like that. But if it was, like, <laughs> the 40th time I've seen right. some crazy-ass shit, I'd yeah. be like, oh, uh, uh, here we go again.
1: again, yeah. <laughs>
3: they find a spot in the wall
0: of the fortress to start their attack. A change came over Hellboy then, his thin lips pressed together so that they seemed even thinner, and the still-scorched flesh on his arms cracked as he stretched himself out. Muscles popped as he raised Mjolnir, eyes flaring with a kind of primal strength. He swung the hammer in a massive stroke that rang loudly upon impact. The stones moved, cracks shifted, and then several of the huge blocks crashed backward into the courtyard of the Citadel of the Giants. And so they all listen, they're like, did anything happen? Did anybody hear us? And then he gives Abe a thumbs up, and they go inside. It also mentions this, before Ragnarok, Utgard's courtyard might have been a marketplace or a field of combat for warriors who wished to test their mettle in rare times of peace. It would have been the place where feasts were held, weddings celebrated, and funeral ceremonies conducted. Now it was a wasteland.
3: I actually really like that kind of description because you know, it, even like these are frost giant monsters. They still had their own market and weddings and all that kind of it right. Is...
0: Yeah, I do like that. Um, I just thought that was a cool detail about Utgard to throw in there as Abe and Pernilla go into one of the towers, they look across the courtyard and they see more of those skeletal giants and they're eating corpses. There's some pretty grisly descriptions of this. Abe notices that the giants change. They go from withered to weathered and leathery. So as they're eating people, they're like growing their skin back or becoming more alive and less dead looking or whatever.
3: Gross. Nobody
0: (laughs) else is going to end up like that. Abe tells Pernilla, and then they see like a real human-built structure, part of the fortress that isn't magic, and they decide that's probably the most likely place where people would be hiding. At one point, they have to run across, exposed, and Abe thinks of one of the giants stripping the flesh from the bones the way a man would eat a piece of chicken. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He hopes to avoid that fate for him and Pernilla. Yeah, but that is scary to think like, oh, that thing will actually bite me. Like, that thing's gonna eat me, for real. Inside, the place is gutted, but they see three people still alive, an old man, a woman, and a young girl. They stare at Abe and Pernilla, more startled by their arrival than Abe's appearance and Pernilla is able to speak to them in their language. This is probably Lappish or Sami. Abe also sees a pile of corpses all dead and frozen together, and it makes him want to throw up. Let's just go, he says, and when we get out of here, the Bureau is going to pay for a very long, very tropical vacation. They gather some supplies, and they start heading out the window. The ground shook. Abe turns around, and he sees a giant staring down at him. And then it cuts over to what's happening to Hellboy, so I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) The giants, now they've seen Abe, too. So I thought this is where the story really started to ramp up for me, where I was like, we're getting They're into this. building the... this tension, yeah, yeah. it's really good. <laughs> Hellboy and the Nid of approached the gate of Utgard. Lightning flashed down and merged with the hammer, striking the gate simultaneously. All of Utgard shook, and thunder rolled across the sky, deep and resonant. The gates of the ghost city crashed open, stone splintering and calving like an iceberg. Those huge doors slammed into two giants, partially decayed sentries inside one of them was merely staggered driven several long steps from the walls the other was thrown to his knees and an enormous wedge of stone that calved off one of the gates landed upon him crushing the sword-wielding giant's spine sharp edge cutting right through him what flesh it had flaked away to nothing leaving only cold motionless bones behind so when they get killed it like all the flesh just completely disintegrates and they're just bones again which is a really cool imagery also i like that yeah and hellboy runs through the gates the serpent pendant swung against his chest as he bellowed a war cry last uttered by long dead legions of valhalla hellboy thinks of Abe because he hears like other crashing going on it mentions here the frost giants had some of that ancient ice in them the frozen heart of ymir the poetic edda refers to ymir as a primeval being who was born from venom that dripped from the icy rivers Elvagar and lived in the grassless void of, and I'm probably saying this totally wrong, Ginnam Gagap. Dope. Ymir birthed a male and female from the pits of his arms and his legs together begat a six-headed being the god's olden vili and v fashioned the earth from his flesh from his blood the ocean from his bones the mountains from his hair the trees from his brains the clouds from his skull the heavens and from his eyebrows the middle realm in which man lives midgard In addition, one stanza relates that the dwarves were given life by the gods from Ymir's flesh and blood. So I did want to point out that little detail since that name was mentioned. I always like to look that up and see what it is. So they see these giants. Uh, One of them got killed with the gate crashing through. And then the other one, they're like, kill him before the others come. So I like this description that the dwarves, they just like start hacking at it and jumping all over it, stabbing it all over. It cannot be the giant mundered in a voice as deep as thunder. You are dead. Hellboy clenched his teeth and glared up at the 35-foot monster. At least I don't look it. Again, he shouted the battle cry. A barrage of lightning struck the walls of Utgard, blew a hole in one of the towers, and tore up the ground. Hellboy raised Mjolnir and lunged forward. He brought the hammer down and shattered the giant's wrist. Yeah, so they're beating the crap out of these guys. We haven't talked about these Mignola drawings um, that are throughout, but we get a nice one here of like, I love the use of shadow on this so you can see the pendant.
1: Well he's a he's an absolute master of that for sure so
0: it's like oh, as yeah. the, so it's like I'm thinking as the lightning is coming down the pendant is illuminated you know also either with like the reflection or something like that or like you know anyway there's just so much conveyed it's not even in color and you can kind of see um, how dynamic it is
3: yeah the, the the illustrations all throughout the book are just amazing
0: <laughs> yeah we forgot to talk about it there was a really cool one when they were fighting Logi that had Hellboy all engulfed in the fire.
3: I actually, I, I had meant to say something, but I you know, I forgot, but man, that was a great image.
0: Yeah. They see more giants approaching, and they mention one of them is Hindla. Though a giantess, Odin had been her father, and so Hellboy calls her my sister. I guess she's Thor's sister. I couldn't really find a whole lot about her, to be honest, but I did find this website called Whispers of Yggdrasil. Hindla is a Norse goddess of bloodlines and family trees. She is directly connected with ancestors and she lives in a deep northern mountains of Jotunheim in a frozen cave. The giantess goddess is a very wise spirit who has knowledge of bloodlines and family trees and also genealogy. Hindla appears as an old woman with long gray hair and even though she is a giantess, she is small, human size. So I thought that was interesting too. For those who travel... To the place where she is, it is awful difficult to see her for she is sleeping most of the time. She keeps hounds and wolves to make her company large ones and there's even a tale of freya she comes to hindula riding a boar and asks hindula to accompany her in a ride with one of the wolves and they talk about genealogy that's basically what the poem uh yeah
1: i was about to bust this i actually have a a a book here of norse myths and i was about to bust this out of uh hindula's poem there
0: right so that is um you know if you do look her up mostly that's what that's what i found was coming up was the poem but i was like well somebody tell me more about this so I did find that Whispers of Yggdrasil, that was a great resource for learning about that character.
1: Uh, There's a book called The Norse Myths by Kevin Crossley Holland, and it's got a lot of cool stuff. It's got like an index there that you can reference and kind of check out.
0: Yeah, that's what we're looking at here. Come then, Hellboy said in that ancient tongue, the words coming unbidden to his lips. Spoken not by Hellboy, but by the ghost in him. Come to me, bones of giants. And we all will return to the grave where we belong, where all the nine worlds were meant to stay buried forevermore. So here we get another part where they say the name of the movie in the movie. (laughs) I always love that. It's good. I love it. So with the final word, you know, Hellboy uh, gives his war cry. And I love this description that all the giants are, they're all bumping together trying to get at him. Like they're all running at him and they're like slamming into each other and stuff like that, trying to be the first one. Hellboy raised Mjolnir again, and with both hands brought it down. He struck the ground, and it cracks. It, like, creates lightning going through the ground. And then of these three giants, like, two of them are, like, immediately electrocuted. I love that. It's so cool. It just leaves behind the blackened and charred flesh and the bones. Then there's this, he they describe this sword-wielding giant with two heads, one of them dumb and drooling with hollow eyes and the other grinning with sharpened fangs and a gaze of pure malice. I like that description, too. And there's even a drawing of the two-headed giant there. Yeah, uh, I was going to
3: say it's a really good drawing.
0: They called you Hresvelg before Ragnarok, Hellboy muttered. And so I did look this up. That He's a giant in Norse mythology. He is portrayed as an eagle-shaped giant. Nice. Originer of the wind. So I thought that was interesting. Here's a very different version of it. Hrezveig laughed. I am a memory. Then what might I ask are you? Just another dead thing, Hellboy says. I like that response. Hellboy dodges the blade, and Hersvelg reaches down and grabs him. And so then Hellboy smashes the giant's wrist with one blow from Mjolnir. He leaped at the two-headed giant's chest and shattered it with Mjolnir, breaking bone and tearing muscle, ripping a hole where the monster's heart ought to have been. So then the thing falls over and Hellboy goes inside it and then he's got to like hack his way out from the other side so that's like another like not only has Hellboy done that in the movie and I think he's done that in the comics several times too but that's just a very popular yeah. action thingy that like I think they did it in Pacific Rim also wait, wait wasn't it Ron Perlman? yeah he comes out yeah. of the yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's Ron Perlman
0: yeah, but I love that—that that he goes, he goes through the wound, and then he's got to come out, and then so he's—you're left with this image of him sitting on top of this dead That's thing. It's an
1: interesting trope, you yeah.
0: know what I mean? I do like that. I was like, that is so awesome. Etri and his cousins managed to kill one of the giants, severing its head entirely, and now they were attacking another, like wolves bringing down a deer. I just love that, like the knit of a limb. I just see them like swarming something, and you know, really cool. Above, the two large ravens circled once more. Hugin and Moon and the servants of his father. He knew them now. As he glanced around, he saw still figures atop the walls of Utgard, beautiful women draped in long furs and carrying spears and swords and shields. Miss was among them, watching solemnly, awaiting the outcome. The Valkyrie had been watching all along. Very nice, and so we're going to get into chapter 16. The final chapter. Yeah, at the beginning of this... Cowboy's still fighting off Hindala. She was one of the giants that didn't get killed, but Thrym hadn't shown himself yet. And so she's got this morning star. There's a great illustration of her with that. And so that's like that ball and chain type of thing where it's got all the spikes on the end of it. Well, didn't he call it a morning star mace? And so, um, I like this. This is also a popular thing when you have this weapon, you swing it and then it gets stuck in whatever you miss and then you're trying to pull it out and then that's where you get fucked up so she swings it it misses hellboy goes into the ground and she's trying to pull the mace back out then he pulls the chain he knocks her over her gaze was distant and lost her eyes as wet as her scar is this real thor she asked his heart was cold his stomach tight and his eyes were stung by the wind or perhaps only by the winds of fate. As real as it ever was, my sister, he replied, then he killed her.
1: Okay.
3: Isn't that the first time Thor is mentioned? Like it, the name Thor I was said? about
1: to fucking say. Good
3: job, Aubrey. Oh, yes. I, I totally missed that. No, but no, no, yeah, no. they
0: haven't said it this whole He's time. He's been saying
1: Thunderbearer. Yeah, had was saying that's the Thunderbearer's necklace and all this shit and whatever. And I'm like... They just keep saying. Th- I started to wonder, is it a legal thing? Are they not legally allowed <laughs> to say the name Thor because of like Marvel Comics or something? And I was just wondering, like, they just they, they have all these write arounds and all of these little hints and they're kind of ducking it the whole time. They, nev- they never really say Thor. And so uh, when they actually said it, I was like, oh, I'm wrong. They did say Thor. Okay. Well, clearly yeah. I'm mistaken and I was just exaggerating. But so, like, if that's the only instance that they actually say it, then. No, I'm right. They they're not saying it. So right, it was one of those yeah. things where I was like, "Oh, maybe I'm just imagining things. I'm just exaggerating." But no, like they that is the only time that they actually refer to him as Thor.
3: I actually thought of it more in the same vein of zombie movies never calling zombies zombies.
1: Oh, they didn't want it to be Thor, even though it's very obviously about Thor. That's kind of yeah, weird. yeah that's weird. I don't know.
0: And uh, it also makes me think like. He's been more and more taken over for this yes. thing. But so like right here, like she's seen Thor. That's Thor. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it it wasn't like that up until now. Like this is the culmination right. of uh, it's building and it's building and it's building. And in this moment, he becomes Thor completely and right. is Thor. And before that, that was never really the case. So that's an interesting interpretation too. That's that's interesting.
0: <clears throat> and then that sentence, and then he killed her. Like Hellboy wouldn't do that. No, you know what I mean. But this is Thor doing and that. And
1: when she's calling him Thor, we get the impression that that's right okay because he's he's separated somehow
3: from that. But but I also feel like we're getting the impression that uh, you know because like you know she says her eyes were as wet as her scar and you know, it's just like she probably made me think of tears in her eye and asking if this was real. And so like, you know, she was already dead. Wow. Yeah. And now all of a sudden she's doing this. And so she's like, is this real Thor? And he's like, You know, as real as it ever was, my sister, and then he killed her, and he's like returning her to the grave. I don't feel like Oh yeah. I don't feel like he's killing her as in like I'm killing the bad guy. I feel like he's letting her return to her eternal I love
0: your I love your reading on it. That's great. We cut back over to Abe and this remember the giant has just spotted him. And he thinks of Dorothy's ruby slippers. This is a reference to the Wizard of Oz where she can click her slippers and go back home. So he does think of that. He's like, boy, I wish I could do that now. He would have much rather taken a wicked witch and her flying monkeys. In fact, now that he thought of it, he just managed fine against a wicked witch and flying monkeys that time in Dusseldorf. I want to. What is that mission about? I tried to look up flying monkeys. Apparently, flying monkeys has this whole other term
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's a, related to like narcissism yes, and fake yeah. personas. And I they had send no their idea. quote
1: unquote flying monkeys, which <clears throat> is to say that they send other. Other friends and family members because they're not going to stop abusing you so you just have to absolutely get away from them and go what they call nc or no contact they'll since they can't get through because you've blocked their number or whatever you've blocked their phone number and stuff so they send other people to come after you and text you and harass you like your sister or your brother-in-law or your dad or someone they'll they'll send them what they call like flying Flying monkeys monkeys, or like henchmen to do their bidding is basically that's how that term is is used
3: I didn't know about well, that. Yeah. Until oh, I, that's a whole
1: thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I,
3: I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: They have their whole entire language dealing with dealing with uh, na- narcissists is so impossible that there's an actual like a whole language that's been built up around it uh, around the support groups and yeah. stuff like that. So it's um, it's it's a horrific. I mean, it's really yeah. horrible. So what these people go I learned through. a lot about
0: that. This is a very educational episode. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Learning a lot of things, and
1: if you're, you know, trapped in an abusive relationship with a narcissist, you know, there are support groups online. There's, uh, you know, like whatever uh, forums and, and subreddits and all kinds of. You're not alone. It's possible to get through this, so don't, you know, don't feel. It. So if you suspect that that might be happening to you, just reach out on the internet. It's there. You're not alone. It's cool.
3: And it's
0: also not your fault.
1: Yeah, and you can you can get through it.
0: Um, so the giant shouts at Abe, and at that point, Abe wasn't all that concerned with about the others. Just keeping this one from peeling the flesh from his bones with its teeth would be an accomplishment. After all those humans, he figured they'd be all fighting over some seafood. So he's like, I'm just a fish stick to these things, right? They're going to come get me.
3: Oh, no, no, Abe, you're, you're not a fish stick. You're more like, you know, that high class salmon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so another great action beat that, like, I kept thinking of movie things when I was reading this. Uh, Christopher Golden just has a great way of conveying this. So, like, he has to get the pack, and he throws it through the window. Then he jumps through the window, and then he cuts himself as he's going through it. And I think, like, all that would be in slow motion, and you would see, like, the glass like cut up his arm and all this kind of (laughs) stuff. And it would be, like, very bullet-timey or something.
3: Anyway... Oh my god! I, the 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 bullet time sound effects went to my head. You know, it's just like the the slow yeah AC. <laughs>
0: Abe drew his gun and shot the giant right through the eye. So, yeah, he's a good shot. Again, that we've talked about this a little bit in this story. He's able to turn around and shoot that thing right in the eye. And then so it starts freaking out and it's like breaking everything. Again, it made me think of like when they pull the eye out and kill Bill. And then she's all like, ah! just like flailing around. Like that's how this thing is like breaking yeah. all the th- all the oh. stuff. But it allows like Abe to get away. And then he gives the giant the finger. Okay. A- after he does that, he's like...
1: <laughs> he's a rude boy. I feel him.
0: From outside, he hears a crash of a ma- like a mountain crumbling and shouts of alarm and rage. And he's like, oh, Hellboy's arrived. Okay. So now they're all going towards that. And so him and Pernilla can get out of there. It was not long before they came to an open passageway at the back of the tower that led them outside. They reached a hole in the wall at the rear of the citadel without incident, and 15 minutes later, they stood on the first ridge of the foothills leading back up the mountainside and watched the lightning crash down upon the fortress from the sky, and they waited. There's this point where Abe is like, maybe I should go down there and help, but Pernilla puts a hand on his arm and she says, we need you here. He gazed into her eyes and reached up to touch her face, and he nodded. She was right, of course, if anything happened to Hellboy, it would be up to him to get them back to safety yeah but there is he's touching her face there's all this yeah there's there, there's a little thing of course. going on
3: little little shape of water going
0: on yeah as we cut back over to hellboy it says hellboy felt larger somehow like a giant himself in some way as though he towered high above the creature he had once been so again it made me think of Makoma, where they do show him become a giant hellboy that's like destroying right. everything and then it also made me think of For Whom the Belt Tolls at the end where he becomes as big as a mountain. Yeah. And stuff <laughs> like that. So I do like that.
1: I like this uh, All the dead of Ragnarok had come to witness this the last battle of the Old World the true end.
0: Yeah. And then it's like Yorbingun, the world serpent, reared its head. I'm like, wait, this thing is back. But then in the next sentence, it's, it's like merely it's echo, merely an echo. It's whisper, not flesh. Yeah. But in that in that one moment, When
1: cool, right?
0: that one moment, I was like, wait, what? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, but it's just interesting <laughs> that all
1: of this like this this kind of ghostly in and out, yeah. Um, you know, sort of. Uh, you've got dimensions on dimensions, and it's you know the way that he describes this with this this very um poetic language you know the uh the true end and all this right it's just very uh striking
0: the nid had felled the last of the giants raised by thrym though hellboy could not be sure there weren't others before they had closed half the distance an enormous shadow loomed in the entrance of the tower thrym stepped out into the courtyard so finally we have thrym the big bad And so it describes him, he's got like these long horns, and then there's like this ice at the end, and like he's got like long fingernails made of ice, you know, claws or whatever. That's pretty cool, I like that. And when he came out of the ground originally, he had those trees coming out of him, and so those trees have come out, but there's still one in there. The third and the largest remained and protruded from Thrym's abdomen like the truncated vestiges of some half-born conjoined twin. I do like this idea that he's kind of asymmetrical looking. We see that in a lot of Mignola's work. Thunderer Thrym said, You have come only to die again. It is well. For the first time, it was not my hand that took your life. And then those little Svardal things come out again. It says, Oil Slick beasts." he had once thought of as weasels. We talked about that a lot. Are they weasels? Are they not? Does he see them as weasels? And so it says, He thought of them as weasels. So it makes me think they're not really that. But again... There's some sort of magic around all this. Hellboy starts going towards the giant, but Thrym only laughs. And then more skeletons start to come out of the ground. So he's like, I'm going to make even more of these things. No, Hellboy muttered, no more screwing around. So he starts charging at Thrym. And I like this detail too. As he's charging him, one of the dwarves is being overtaken by the Svart elves. But Hellboy can't stop, you know what I mean? But I like the idea, like one of them's like the Wilhelm scream or something being like totally... Ravaged by these little guys.
1: We love to point the Wilhelm scream out when we hear. It. There are movies where it will happen like twice in succession in the same scene sometimes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Apparently, there's even like a female version of the Wilhelm scream. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to look it. for it, that. It...
0: Hellboy leaped a dozen feet into the air, swinging the hammer around his head and brought it crashing down towards Thrym's hip. And
1: like That's it
0: more, made. Like... Quer- that was what i totally heard right here he's like coming down and it says he swings it around so when they show it it doesn't have the strap but i almost imagine him like He's doing the Thor thing, sure, he swings absolutely, it around, you know what sure. I mean, and that would be so awesome. Super I just, good. God, I would love to see that. Thrum's icy claws tore the wool from Hellboy's chest and back and gashed his flesh. So Hellboy's all bleeding. Thrum reached down for him with both hands. And then he jerked back to his awareness. Hellboy swung near, shattering the Frost King's left hand into massive shards of ice. And the other hand is still grabbing him. So then he's like, that hurt. And then he regrows that hand, the one that Hellboy just shattered. And then he traps Hellboy in a block of ice. And then we even get like a nice little image of that too. I really like that. Yeah, it says, no sarcastic or bitter retort came from Hellboy. His eyes were wide beyond that shroud of ice and his lungs, though large, burn with the need for air. He stared at Thrym through the blue-white suffocating sheen and a sadness deep as the marrow took root inside him. Hellboy could not tell if that melancholy was his own or that of the spirit within him. Thrym did not belong here. None of these dead things did. Hellboy himself did not truly belong to this world, but he had made himself a home in it. The difference was, this was his time, the age of man. And so Thrym, he kind of breaks through the ice and he pulls out the little pendant. This ought to have been cast in my image, he says. Lightning flickered in the veins above the sky, and so it comes down and shatters the eyes. Hellboy swung the hammer and splintered the giant's knees. So again, we get that Led Zeppelin going, right? <laughs> it, like, the, here's
3: where the lightning came down. You, you skipped over the part where he uh, uh, said, uh, In the encroaching blackness inside his mind, he met the Thunderbearer's essence. Together they reached out to the storm. Oh, nice.
0: Po- yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So like, Again I see that very cinematically like he actually sees Thor they walk towards each other or something like that. Yeah. In like the mindscape or whatever. Yeah, and so then he breaks out of the ice, the lightning comes down, he swung and splintered the giant's knee. So when Thrym it gets down on the floor, it says that he has every instinct to strike with Mjolnir again. Instead, hellboy reached up with his left hand the strength of the Aesir and the storm reverberating through his body, every nerve ending and every tendon ripping with that power and he grabbed hold of the trunk of the tree that jutted from Thrym's lower rib cage. So instead of using the hammer, he's like, oh, I'll just do this instead. This is easier because I think of like the tree is almost like a plug so once he pulls that out like, all this stuff starts pouring out of the monster, and he just kind of, like, goes out that way, which I really like. I think that's super cool. All around the courtyard, the bones of giants tumbled to the ground. Now he's been overpowered, and he's like, bring the thunder, then. That's another, like, Viking thing. Like, the giant's yeah, like, okay. dope as hell. You beat me, so that's go a ahead. sweet line. Let's do this. Hellboy did. He raised Mjolnir, and lightning crashed down from the sky, shearing off Thrum's left arm at the shoulder. Then he brought the hammer crashing down and caved in the Frost King's skull, snapping off his horns, tearing away that blue-white mist from his eyes in a blast of energy that might have been the giant's soul essence. So then Eitri comes up and he's like, "You fought well, Thunderbearer. We are all that remain now, but my cousins and my brothers were honored to die at your side. I will remember them and you." And he's like, "Look, I'm not him. I'm not You've Thor, got to realize man. that." And he's like, "Yes, Hellboy. We know." And talks about like at that moment they kind of like look just like a homeless guy. Like he sees, he's starting to see these guys different too. I, I thought that was an interesting Aww. detail because it's like he, uh, earlier they said like people yeah. don't choose to see us. So they don't see them as these Viking knit of a limb. Yeah. Um, so then they turn around and they see Miss coming and she's got Ratatosk on her shoulder. Yay. She smiles and then she touches the, in between his horn stumps in the <laughs> middle of his head and then the hammer drops. Nice. Nice. And he tells them to keep the hammer.
1: Yeah, he's like, hey, can you can you take this thing and just keep it? And they're like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely do that.
0: Atri says, there are others of our kind in Stockholm and in Copenhagen and throughout the Northlands. Majolner will be kept out of the hands of the unworthy and never will be wielded again unless the Thunderbear returns. And Hellboy's like, well, I don't think he's coming back, but you never know. <laughs> hmm, you never
3: know. I uh, I never know. They leave it open Uh-oh. for the sequel. This image where he's dropping Mjolnir after she touched his head, yum, I, I, yum. Really liked, I really like that image. And I just kind of tapped on it like my phone to try to zoom in like an idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. You tapped on the book? Yes, I did. Oh, Aubrey. <laughs> yeah, but that is a
0: cool moment. And that's where I was like, oh, it doesn't have the straps. I kind of wish it had the straps so he could swing it around like <laughs> the Marvel's Thor. Oh, man
3: the Jack Kirby
0: Thor. There you go. They also mention Lit is one of the other uh, Nid of a limb that's with Eitri. He's one of the ones that survived. Um, that is an actual... He's a guy. Yeah, he's an actual guy. So as Hellboy's walking off, he's looking for Abe. As he struggled to maintain his balance, a glimmer of starlight off metal Metalcon design. He realized it was the pendant. Remember, Thrym had taken that in the middle of the battle. For a long moment, he stared at it, tempted to leave it there. And then he sees Abe and Pernilla... So then he gives it to her. This is pretty much all that's left except the bones. Figured you should have it. If you want to put it in a museum or something, or you just want to keep it for yourself, either way is fine with me. Just, well, it might be a bad idea to wear it. So I hope she's not like her father and later is like, hmm. No, I think
1: we've we've seen that right. she's, she's definitely not.
3: When he said that, I had an image of like several years later, somebody's visiting her and sees that and goes, ooh, is a cool necklace and puts it on and then all hell breaks
0: loose. Right. And they ask what happened to the hammer, but Hellboy says the dwarves took it. What was I going to do with it? He asks if they find any survivors and they tell him about the people that they found. We should all try to get some sleep at least until sunrise if the walk to the nearest village isn't as long as the walk up here, I'd rather do it under the sun. Hellboy says, All right, but just a few hours of sleep. At dawn, we hit the trail out of here. My stomach's already rumbling. I
1: like how he says, I just want some really bad Chinese takeout. Yeah. That's, just, that's all I want.
0: Because <laughs> they're like, Oh, we have some food in our packs. And he's like, None of that crap. I want some bad Chinese takeout, maybe Kung Pao shrimp, and some Peking ravioli. So that is a callback to... The first battle where he was fighting that thing in the carnival, the Kapoor, Yeah. he tells it, just go get some Peking ravioli. Yeah. That's what he told him. And so. at that moment, Abe
1: is like, ah, oh, he's back. I got my friend back. <laughs> he's talking about Chinese takeout. I yeah. got my friend. And so he's like, you know, it's, it's good to have you back. And he's like, ah, oh, it's good to be back. And so next time I say I don't want to fucking go somewhere that's cold, he's like, Bali baby. Going to Bali. Yeah. <laughs> Cute little portrait right there at the end. Oh, yeah. Tap it off. Yep. Really cool. Man.
0: Really nice. Yeah. So let's talk about this a little bit because I did like the story. I love the way Golden did the action. I like the idea that killing Thrym was like pulling this tree out. And stuff like that, but I was a little. I thought Pernilla was going to do something.
1: Yeah, I kind of was waiting for that to happen, and then that he didn't really do anything with her. I thought
0: she was going to become one of the Valkyrie. I thought she was going to be yeah, like a like, weird ghost so lady. One thing she did is she was like, "Oh, Logi, you. I know about this. You have to do this." So that was like one moment where she yeah. wasn't like, "Whoa, whoa, what?" She was like, "Oh, wait, I know how to. Th- I know the answer to this." But that was rather like the only really moment that they gave. Yeah, her. I
1: really did think she was going to end up being like. Surprise, I'm somebody from Norse mythology, or something.
0: Just like something took over Hellboy, I thought Surprise, something was going to take over Yeah, her. I don't know. It was So anyway, that was one yeah. thing.
1: I, I just kind of got the impression that she was there to kind of be like a convenient, like, by the way, I know about this in mythology, that's so-and-so. Well, but then she was also surprised by so much shit, and I was like, well, yeah, what?
0: I, I, I thought maybe she was like um, Myers from the Hellboy movie, like, supposed to be us. Like the person yeah. that they're bringing into the thing, sure. So you got to have one of those. You got to have the, like
1: the that's that's the reader. You're that's yes. how you're discovering the. Everyone's going to explain stuff to this character so that they can explain it to you.
0: Yes, exactly. So yeah, that's kind of how I took her character.
3: I I just thought she was there. Because her father died.
0: Well, and, and that's kind of what they said initially was that she wanted the closure of seeing Thrym destroyed. So she did get that, you know, and maybe her getting the pendant at the end is kind of like sure. capping that off. Sure, you know but
1: again, I, mean? I, I I think that we were all kind of waiting for that to be a bigger reveal of like... Just because they described her, her as a ghost. so, yeah. They
0: kept saying that she was ghostly and she was like, if she was just gliding down the stairs like right. a ghost. And I'm like, hmm, something's going to happen I think with we all that, kind but. of
1: expected her to be like, and then she turned into... A spirit and she was like thanks guys and she floated off into the Whatever.
0: No, well, I thought something like maybe mist was gonna yeah. imbue her, and she was gonna help defeat the ring. Oh, I thought she something. was gonna end
1: up like being someone from Norse mythology. That's what skies. I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like okay. she was already anyway. Somebody.
3: See, see I, I didn't think any of that. I just thought that she was just somebody who lost her father. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah.
1: Sure. <laughs> absolutely. Uh,
0: yeah. So, what did you think about doing actual books, actual book clubs? It was interesting. Books? It was interesting. It was a little different, and I feel like um, I'd like to know what the listeners thought. You know, do you want us to do more books? I think there are two more books that are considered canon, and um, so I don't know. You know, you could also listen. I was thinking about it. You could listen to the audio book in the time that it takes you to listen to these four podcasts that we did about it. So you could also do that. I mean, um, so I was wondering, you know, if these book club actual book club episodes are worth it. But I'll let you. Uh, well, you, I think it, the
1: point of a book club is to analyze what you're reading and talk about it together as a group yeah you know your your point of view and how you interpreted that and what you think about it and what it reminds you of and uh, oh the value of us coming together and having a book club and then having other people listen to that and also join in and and give their two cents and all that is you will come to recognize perspectives you might not have come up with on your own Mm. you will gain knowledge that you might not have otherwise even thought of and so i think that that's the value of the book club is us all coming together and having a discussion oh, yeah. and opening that up to other people to have that discussion and i mean that's that's clearly you know the whole so you know
0: and i like i said earlier you know i was joking around but I do really feel like these have been some educational episodes yeah. because we've learned a lot about Norse mythology. I was so tickled that that issue came out that had Mignola art in it, that it was literally about this stuff that we've been talking about. I think in the issue two, there's going to be a story about Brock and Eitri. Yeah. And uh, we talked about their bet with Loki and stuff like that. So anyway, really cool all around. I really love Bones of Giants good Christopher Golden story, the great Mignola art. And yeah, it was a cool story. I really liked that. Um, really nice way to um, relate Hellboy in this. Again, thinking about Macoma and all those other things. We know what's going to happen. We've already read um, the end of Hellboy in Hell. So there's so many parallels be- between these characters that I-, I think it was really fun to kind of see them actually do it. Let What if Hellboy was Thor is re- a really cool premise for a
1: book. Yeah. What if Hellboy yeah. was Thor? The name of the book we just read. Yeah. That's that's the name of the book for sure.
3: Yeah. So I actually, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was really good, but I will be 100% honest. If we weren't doing this as a podcast and as a book club and all this stuff, I probably would have skipped it because right. usually, usually when it comes to reading comics, yeah. I don't care a lot for... Book adaptations of comics. Interesting. Books. Okay. I mean, th- there is like some. I didn't even know like... that
1: was a thing. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm right. like, hey, I didn't know that was a thing. But if you get a really uh, I... good author. Working with the guy, like the source material guy working with Mike Mignolo, like, I guess it could be something.
3: There are some exceptions. Like, I read this one book about Superman, Life and Death, and that that was really good. Um, But for the most part, when it comes to book versions of comic books, I'm like, why can't I just read the comic? Sure, (laughs) sure. (laughs) You know? Because Mike
1: Mike was like, I didn't want to draw that.
3: (laughs) No, I mean, no, I understand that. But but, but I'm saying it's just like, but I am glad that we covered it on the podcast because otherwise, I probably never would have read this yeah yeah, that's another cool thing about about
1: a book club is that you know maybe you'll be exposed to stuff that you wouldn't have otherwise read that's that's fine yeah
0: and i've mostly read the stuff that you guys read beforehand but i hadn't read this so this was the first time for me going through it too which was super fun so i hope you guys enjoyed these book club actual book club episodes actual book club and we'll be back with some comics next week and doing some fun stuff so i can't wait to listen to all your feedback And now, Aubrey's going to say all the things. Aubrey's
1: going to say all the things.
3: All right, everybody. We finished an actual book on the book club, and I (laughs) want to hear what you thought about it. You can... Send us a hey you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section and our Podbean website. As always, a special thank you to the Side Street Steppers for the amazing theme music you provided for us. Thank you so much. Also, thank you, Mark, for helping us with the reading order. Thank you, John, for... Being an editing wizard. Thank you, Danielle, for being amazing. Um, (laughs)
1: Uh
3: You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week our Hellboy Halloween Crossover Spectacular Returns. And we will be reading Hellboy Goon, Hellboy Beast of Burden, Hellboy Fearless Dawn. And we might even have a surprise. Oh, oh. spooky or surprise! Or not? Spooky surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or not? You know, it's a surprise. <laughs> so you know what to do. Pull out them back issues. Pull out them trades. Get those digitals, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas.
1: On Hi. the Bones of Giants.
3: And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying,
1: "I got a mythological monkey on
3: my back." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bones of Giants. It's actual book club. Bones Greek of Giants. Of Giants.